0: Hello, and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for March 2nd, 2020. I'm Scott, and I'm paid by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython all the time. Uh, We have this meeting. uh, I should say CircuitPython is a beginner-friendly version of Python for microcontrollers, which are low-cost computers that cost, like, tens of dollars, so everybody can have them. Uh, CircuitPython is designed to make it really easy to get started with those projects, so um most of its development is supported by adafruit so check them out at adafruit.com and support uh, circuit python development that way uh this is our weekly meeting where we get together as a community and discuss all things that are happening around CircuitPython. it happens every monday at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern on the adafruit discord server everyone is welcome to join in at adafru.it slash discord you can just go there and check it out um it happens in the circuit python voice channel and the circuit python text, text channel it is being recorded yeah. carter you're unmuted um it is being recorded yeah. so beware Sorry. that that is happening carter can you mute please thank you um <laughs> uh, the recording uh, of this is posted to the Adafruit YouTube channel, which is youtube.com Adafruit, along with DiodeZone. Uh, those videos have uh, links to the notes doc, which has time codes and uh, is generally a great way to keep track of uh, how things are going on uh, in the video without listening to it all. It tends to run an hour, hour and a half now because we have lots of folks involved. Um, The meeting is uh, divided up into five parts. The first part is community news, which is a general overview of what's happening on the internet with CircuitPython. After that, we do the state of CircuitPython, its libraries, and Blinka. That is a more statistics-oriented, objective view of the world, kind of grounding us in metrics that we think are valuable. Uh, After that, we have... um... (laughs) Hug reports which is a chance for us to all say thank you to other folks for the for, for their work that they've been doing. Um, we do this as a round-robin, so I will start and then go down the list of the folks in the voice chat. Uh, if you are just listening in and don't want to participate, let us know you're lurking. Uh, bonus points uh, for checking the notes doc uh, to see that we've marked you as lurking as well. Um If you are text only, uh, basically please write your notes in the notes doc and I will read those off for those who are just listening in. Um, And then lastly, if you want to actually unmute when you're called on, uh, that's awesome. Just be, again, be aware that we are recording it and your voice will be posted. Um, So yeah, that's Hug Reports. After Hug Reports, we have status updates, which which is a chance for you to say thank you or it's not. That's what that's how reports uh, status updates is a chance to take a couple minutes to talk about what you've been working on and what you plan on working on in the coming week. It's a great way to just have an idea of what everyone is doing and give tips and tricks about the, the things that people are trying to accomplish. Um, so that's status updates. Sometimes topics will come out of that. That might be a bit long. So just want to um, say that if you have things that you want to ask or discuss, Uh, let's save that for the last section. And the last section is called In the Weeds, which is where we can have those longer form discussions. And the goal is that um, those happen at the end. So folks who want to have an overview, ideally the the overview itself is shorter at the start. Um, So In the Weeds, the way In the Weeds works is uh, if you have topics that you want to discuss that have come up, um, let's put them in the notes doc and we'll list them off. And then we kind of just call on the people that have put Notes in the in the note stock for the in the weeds, and we'll discuss those um, so that's the meeting. I think I covered everything um, I will probably pause a bit as I take time codes, but time codes are really handy for uh, the note stock so uh, I will take a time code and we'll hand it over to Phil for community news.
1: all right, thank you, Scott. Thank you all right so uh for the folks who um, are responsible for 100 plus employees or do events or or for are me, um, I'm following all the different events that our community is part of in some way. So as of right now, PyCon just posted up. They're still on. Uh, PyCon's coming up in April and they just posted up a blog post about any updates because there's COVID going on. Um, I have to hand it to PyCon. They are always excellent at communicating with everyone. So uh, give it up for them, because I know as an organization, sometimes it's hard because you have a lot of people, you have to you know, get consensus, talk to people, but they're good on Twitter, they have a blog post, a lot of people are asking questions, and they have a resource, so good on them. So um, unless we hear anything different, and icon's still on, we'll see some of you there. Later on in this meeting, I'm sure Scott and team will be talking about CircuitPython 5 release candidate 1. Uh, we have this in the newsletter, there's a blog post, uh, please test it, test it, test it, and test it, and then test it some more. With the 5.0 release candidate, we added some new boards to circuitpython.org. We now have over 116 boards altogether. Some of the new ones, the Nano, we doing a Nano 33ROT, CircuitBrain's Basic and Deluxe uh, Feathers, and a SparkFun SamD Thing Plus. We are still um, at the ratio of more non fruit boards than Adafruit boards. So that's kind of cool. Next up. Speaking of Adafruit boards, we have a new board. This is the Feather Bluefruit Sense. Uh, Hackster just did a post about it. I'm always interested in how you can use the word snake or feather or something in headline, and they did it. Feather Bluefruit Sense takes flight, launches with full circuit Python compatibility. Check that out. We had some over the weekend. Um, we have another batch going in soon. Uh, for the folks who probably noticed, um, we're very good at supply chain. We have things that uh, change throughout the year. We also um, are smart about tariffs. And then, of course, there was a delay with Chinese New Year's and COVID. So some of our boards will be green for a little while. Um, but that just means we can keep shipping hardware. All the rest of the PCBs are shipping all of our providers so that they're all back. So that's kind of cool. But uh, get the special edition green one next time it comes back and talk. Um, if you're interested in hardware, and you probably are because you're here, Red Hat has a podcast and it's called Command Line Heroes, and this month they're all about hardware, and one of them in particular is about open source hardware. They have Our Lady Ada in it, and she talks about all sorts of things like CircuitPython and more, so if you're into the podcast, this is a good one anyways, but subscribe to it. You'll probably hear about um, some more things in the open source hardware community in that podcast as well. Um, over on Twitter, I just saw this uh, yesterday and got in the newsletter. Thea Flowers has this uh, big and button sampler looking for feedback to see if folks actually want to buy it. Go hit Twitter and say that uh, you do if that's something that you want. This is a CircuitPython module synth. Next up, uh, Tuesday of next week, March 10th, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m., we are doing an IoT Design Week event with Microchip. So it's Adafruit and the Wizard of Make, Bob Martin, will be talking about things like CircuitPython on PyPortal, CircuitPython on our NRFs, CircuitPython on the CMD processors, CircuitPython python everywhere. IoT, machine learning, and more, so check it out. I think they're giving away free stuff, and if you show up, you probably want some. Um, I think I covered this last week, but I'm gonna do it again because we got more information. Uh, Morgan Stanley has a uh, Makerspace program that someone um, it's a longtime customer, and then their kid was a customer, and then now uh, the kid went through high school, now is an engineer, and then ended up doing all this stuff. Anyways, really amazing story, um, fantastic cause, and they use Circuit Python and Circuit Playgrounds to teach these kids coding skills um, in partnership with Women in Need, a group in New York City. And then uh, last on the list, um, we are now um, accepted we arrived um discord <laughs> has this discovery service so if you scroll all the way to the bottom on the left hand side inside discord which you're in and hit the little magnifying glass and type adafruit or um python or raspberry pi or electronics or diy will show up it's very difficult to be in this list i don't know why but we hit every criteria after many months and also after talking to them about this because we said hey like seems like we should be in this um and so we got accepted over the weekend, so I did a blog post, added it here. So check it out, make sure it works. Um, if there's any updates, we will do them. I think the only way to find it is the text that we put in there, though. So um, I tried to put in some things that I thought people would look for. And much of this news, if not all of it, is in a newsletter. It'll go out tomorrow, 11 a.m. Check out the draft. If there's any pull request issues, anything that we missed, please add it there. And then you can also get it on Adafruit Daily. That's where the weekly Python on Hardware community newsletter goes out. And back to you, Scott. Thanks, Phil. Bye-bye.
0: All right. Next up, we have the state of circuit Python libraries and Blinka. Uh, this is a chance to have a, an objective view of how the project is going. Um, and if you think there are metrics that we're not, we don't cover here, please let us know what those are. We'd love to add some other things to it as well. I'll start off with just an overview, and then we'll go into some more specifics. So overall, uh, we had 36 pull requests merged from 13 different authors. Um, Some new folks I recognize in here are... My Techno Talent, Foosmeet, are new folks. Uh, We had 15 reviewers, which I think might be a record. Um, So let me just read off all 15 of those. That's That's an awesome number. So Foamy Guy, Sedacious, Hot Tack... Higher Effect, Maker Melissa, Katni, Jerry, Jeff, Epler, Brent Rue, De Harada, Lady Ada, Summersoft, Carter Nesson, Dan Halbert, and myself. Um, thank you. We had more reviewers than authors. Um, every week, we like to remind folks that reviewing is a great way to get started. Um, jump into an existing pull request and say, Hey, I tried this. It looks good. Um, and that's very, very helpful. Um, if you need help doing that, let us know. We're happy to point you to resources. Um, so that's PRs. Uh, Issues-wise, we had 12 closed issues by six people and 11 open by nine people, which, again, we tend to have more open by more people. Um, so if you want to help with issues, let us know as well. Uh, but we're knit down one, which is good. Uh, overall, uh, Dan's been rocking out uh, release candidates for 5.0. We're getting super close, and I think we should talk about that in the weeds a bit more. Um but that's been going great. The libraries have been going great, and Blinka as well. Uh, all parts of CircuitPython land seem to be growing at a steady rate. Uh, and it's, all of those aspects seem to be building on the principles of making things really easy and documenting them well and making sure that the community is inclusive. So thank you to everyone who's involved in that. Um, let's go on to a bit more detail about the core. Uh, which I will talk about. Uh, We had 19 pull requests merged from three different authors and eight reviewers, which again is awesome and interesting. So uh, thank you to both authors and reviewers on the pull requests. Uh, We really appreciate uh, seeing that iteration. We have 13 open pull requests. Uh, A few of them are quite old. Uh, Two of them specifically are over 200 days old, but a number of them are fresh out of the oven. So uh, thank you, to everyone who's done that. Issues-wise, we had zero closed issues by zero people uh, and three open by two people for a total of 251 open issues. We have eight active milestones. Uh, I'm not going to go into details about that. And uh, we now have core download stats available at circuitpython.org stats. And I'm actually just going to take a look at that, because I haven't looked at it yet. And maybe my browser doesn't like me loading the AJAX. Uh, doesn't work. OK, thank you. Um, so, yeah, there's a link there and it will work in the future. <laughs> thank you, SummerSoft, for the real time update and uh, working on that, of course. So, uh, with that, let's kick it over to Katni for an update on the libraries.
2: Thanks, Scott. So, uh, in the libraries, uh, we have had 17 pull requests merged over the last week. Uh, from 11 authors and 11 reviewers uh, of those 11 authors the two new people that you pointed out earlier my techno talent and Foosme, are both included uh, so thank you to everybody who wrote up prs and everyone who reviewed um in our list of merged prs we got to one that was 190 days old which is excellent and the rest of them uh of the 27 or rather um of the ones that we merged um were all within uh, either a week or one day. We have had 12 closed issues by six people and eight open by seven people, um, leaving us with uh, a total of 27 open pull requests and 148 open issues. Uh, all that information is available on circuitpython.org contributing. Uh, as well, uh, available on that same, uh, or on circuitpython.org slash libraries is information about the libraries over the course of the last week. Um, and uh, in terms of updates, we had, uh, let's see, one, two, three new libraries, which is excellent, and a number of updated libraries, which is also excellent. Um, in terms of contributing, uh, circuitpython.org slash contributing has a lot of information Uh, including open pull requests across all the libraries, open issues across all the libraries, and library infrastructure issues, which are basically we have um, a sort of uh, standard we wish to keep all of our libraries adhering to. And when we um, have uh, libraries that are not up to that standard, we try to keep track of that using um, our Adabot script. And all that information is posted there. Some of those are excellent first issues, renaming files, that sort of thing. Um, So if you're looking to get started, uh, circuitpython.org slash contributing is the best place to go. Uh, Take a look at what's there, see whether there's anything you can help with. Uh, If you need any assistance with getting started with Git and GitHub, we have a guide. And we are also always available um, either on GitHub or on Discord in the CircuitPython channel to help you get started with that. And that's where we are with the libraries.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right, next up, we have Melissa talking about Blinka.
3: Hello. So I'm going to talk about Blinka, which is our CircuitPython compatibility layer for Raspberry Pi and other single board computers. And this last week, we had five pull requests merged by three authors and one reviewer. Uh, There are zero open pull requests at the moment. Uh, There were two closed issues by two people and one open by one person. There are 33 open issues at the moment, and there have been 1,946 PyPI downloads in the last week, and we currently are supporting 38 boards. And that's it.
0: Awesome. Thank you. All right. And that is the State of Circuit Python. It's libraries and Blinka. Okay. Let me take a time code, and we'll move on to Hug Reports. As a reminder, Hug Reports is a chance for you to take a little bit of time and say thank you to folks for the work that they've been doing. Uh, it's a great way both to just take some time and thank folks, and it's also a great way for us to demonstrate to each other what we value. Um, so please take it, take some time and, and think about the things that you'd like to see that have been happening in the CircaPython community. Um, I will start and then we'll go alphabetically in the list. Uh, As I said earlier, let us know if you're lurking. Uh, Double-check the notes doc to make sure that it matches, uh, whether you're going to unmute and speak, or I should read it off, or you're just uh, lurking and I'll skip over you. So let me take a time code. Uh, For me, I wanted to say uh, I was gone all weekend traveling, and I just wanted to say a quick hug report for uh, Kate and Michaela, who met me... uh, who met who work at Great Scott Gadgets and met up for lunch uh that was really fun to see them in person and then it was also great um Brian and Kirk at SparkFun hosted me and we had a good discussion about CircuitPython and how that fits into the vision for for SparkFun as well um maybe it will in the long term the short story is it doesn't work ri- uh it doesn't right now um and then uh group hug uh in general, I'm way behind on email and everything uh but from what I've glanced through, it's just awesome to see how much can happen in just four days. uh I was basically out Thursday through Sunday, and it's just amazing to see everything that everyone is doing so uh group hug, thank you all for uh continuing to move this whole big project forward and and letting it helping it grow uh more and more uh so quickly, okay. Uh TG Techie is wrapping up class, uh, so I'll go to V923Z.
4: Okay, thanks, Scott. It's a great pleasure. This is this is really my first meeting. So Welcome. this week I would like to uh, hand out two hugs. And the first should go to Scott for, for helping and fixing with the import issue in ULAB. And actually, this turned out to be a, a great general enhancement in, in both CircuitPython and Hopefully, MicroPython too. It concerns uh, uh, the 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 fact how how submodules uh, can be loaded in in uh, CircuitPython, and the second hug should go to to Jeff for reviewing code, fixing a number of bugs, and and uh, really setting up uh, an awful I'm sorry, awful <laughs> a, a terrific test suite for for um, a testing ULAB and, and uh, making the alignment with uh, the NumPy behavior uh, much much easier and and uh, uh, so Jeff, I I really appreciate this. This this should be a, a bear hug if if you wish. <laughs>
0: Whoa! <laughs> Introducing new types of hugs on this first meeting. That's amazing. <laughs> Next one. Awesome. Thank you and welcome. Um, okay. Uh, We have uh, Andrew. Do you actually have a mic?
5: I do actually have awesome. a mic. Go ahead. Um, it's been a fairly quiet week for me so far, as I get uh, acquainted with uh, editing libraries and such. So just a group hug to all.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. All right, Anicdata is lurking, but says uh, text only group hug. Uh, Ann is lurking Carter is lurking but has notes So I will read those off Um, Carter says A hug report to Dan for real time chatting about BLE A hug report to Lady Ada and Maker Melissa For fixing mini TFT feathering Totally looked like a hardware issue That was actually software Awesome sleuthing and fast fix Next up We have Z Grover who's text only See Grover says a uh, hug report to Katney for getting me out of some conceptual quicksand and sharing a new to me Python concept that will be incredibly useful from this point forward. Thanks, and let's go to Charles.
6: A group hug to everybody. Uh, I'm experimenting with uh, the, the most recent release of 5.0, and it it seems to be working for what I want which is basically the MIDI, MIDI uh, USB. So for that, thanks, for, thanks to everybody. Great. Thanks,
0: Charles. All right. Next up we have Dan.
7: Okay. Um, thanks to Justin Cooper. He, he does a lot of um, web stuff for Adafruit, including the Learn Guide and many other things. So we wanted to switch the downloads of CircuitPython Uh, to Amazon S3. I'll have more about that in status updates. But he was, I asked him some questions and he basically just did the work in a couple of hours and I was able to proceed forward and move um, where you you download things from. That worked out really great. And he also investigated how to do um, set up logging so that we can get some statistics. Um, Thanks to SummerSoft and Jeff and Lady Ada for doing PR reviews over the weekend for things that I needed to to get at um, least candidate one set up and out, so that was really great. I was able to get it uh, going on on Sunday, and then thanks to Moobs um, or MUBES and Arturo for um, some iMX fixes, particularly for i2c, which um, should make the five zero general availability on the iMX boards be. Uh, good. It's in sort of better shape than it was in rc.0. All right.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Dan. All right. Dave P is lurking, so let's go to David Gloud. Okay. I heard you briefly, and now I can't hear you. All right. I'll I'll read it off here. David says, uh, "Hug report to Lady Ada and Peterone for the virus-related explanation." In ask an engineer, a hug report to everyone helping with power-related issues on my Bit to Pi. And lastly, uh, a hug report to Foamy Guy for the patchwork example. All right, and speaking of Foamy Guy, let's go to Foamy Guy.
8: Right This week, I have got a hug for Maker Melissa um, right at the tail end of the meeting last week. Um, they, they had pointed me to the an old example in one of the, the Featherwing matrix libraries, and I was able to actually get that working pretty easily on the 16 by 8 too, so definitely appreciate that. And then um, for Katnay as well, helping me work through some weird uh, state that I got myself into with Git uh, on a PR. And that's all I got for this week.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Foamy Guy. All right. Next up, we have Geek Guy. Do you have anything for us? Oh, you're fine. <laughs> you're still unmuted.
6: No, oh. nothing today.
0: All right. Thanks, Geek Guy. Okay. Let's go to Higher Effects.
9: Oh, hello. hello. Um, so, this week, uh, thanks to Anne for their help on uh, my Zephyr Learn Guide, which is now published up on the Learn website uh, for anybody who's interested in getting started with that real-time operating system. Um, <clears throat> and uh, thanks to the Zephyr folks for being friendly and helpful this week because we're adding the Feather 405 to Zephyr. Um, again, Zephyr is something that maybe will be related to uh, Sir Python in the future. It's currently ported to MicroPython, so... Um, I don't know. It's on the radar, and uh, I've been doing a little bit of work in that. So uh, thanks to those folks over there. They've been nice. Um, and then a group hug to everyone here for the 5.0 work. Awesome.
0: Thanks, High Effect. Okay, next up we have Jacob T., who is text only, so I'll read it off. Jacob says, hugs to Carter and Don K. for some, their support on in the Help with CircuitPython Discord channel. And lady and Maker Melissa for subsequent fixed library for the TFT with Joystick Featherwing. Yeah, and uh, shout out, uh, for those of you who don't know, we do have two CircuitPython-related Discord channels. We have hashtag CircuitPython, which is generally more development-focused. And then we have a whole series of help-with channels, including a help-with CircuitPython channel, where folks can go for uh, questions as they use CircuitPython. So uh, next up, we have Jeff or it, maybe i'll read jason i guess jason's on in here um sorry jeff <laughs> let me read out jason first uh jason says uh hug report to Katney for getting a shout out from kojo idris on episode 168 of the python bytes podcast about her upcoming PyCon tutorial all right now let's go to jeff
10: All right. Well, I want to give a group hug to everybody and then a second hug to everybody who has contributed to CircuitPython 5.0. And I think there's a pretty big overlap there because everybody has pitched in something at this point. Um, And I didn't write it in the notes doc, but I'd better return that hug to Zoltan. So uh, there's one for you. It remains a pleasure to work with you. And it feels like we're getting so much done. Uh, Even though the pull request in CircuitPython hasn't gone in, so much good stuff is going on. So thank you for that.
2: Hmm.
0: All right, next up we have uh, notes from Jerry who wasn't able to make it. Jerry says group hug and after Jerry, let's go to
2: Katni. All right, so I have a hug report for Dan for helping me choose an error type to throw. Um, sometimes it's pretty clear on what should be thrown when we are raising exceptions. Other times uh, it seems arbitrary, so Um, I'm always looking for help with expanding my knowledge of the best options there. Um, A hug report to Maker Melissa for helping me get my code working like I intended it to to, but failed to sort out on my own. Um, Was working through um, some what I consider to be fairly complicated stuff and had a final image in mind um, but couldn't quite figure out the middle bit. And Melissa helped with that. And then I want to give a huge hug to Foamy Guy and Anic Data for joining the new Circuit Python helpers role on Discord. Um, they both were already helping all the time uh, in help with Circuit Python and the Circuit Python um, Discord channels. And uh, just like we highlighted, um, those that have really been helping all over the Discord server um, entirely. Uh, I wanted to. A way to highlight those that have been helping a lot with CircuitPython. So I approached both of them. Uh, they gladly accepted. And now we have our new CircuitPython Helpers role. So if you are looking for assistance with CircuitPython related things, uh, they are, uh, when they are available, will be there to help you out. And that's what I've got.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right, KJW is lurking. So let's go to Maker Melissa.
3: Hello. Let's see here. Uh, oh, I'm in the wrong section here. <laughs> the doc. Okay, uh, so Yes, I realized that, and I was on status, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I knew that was wrong. Uh, so I wanted to give a, uh, a hug to Lady Ada for helping point me in the right direction for the mini TFT feather wing, because that was kind of eluding me for a while. Uh, then I was able to fix it, like, really quickly. Uh, and a group hug to everyone who's kind of been waiting on me while I've been hit down working with web Bluetooth.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Certainly is lurking. Uh, so, an SDW is lurking. So, Summersoft is text only, and I'll read that off. Uh, Summersoft says, hug report to Dan and Jada, Justin Cooper for and whomever else behind the scenes that planned and implemented the move to AWS for core firmware delivery. Uh, hug reports, everyone contributing to additional ports. I've been on the periphery lately and mostly lurking, but it's great to scroll through all of the bits and watch it happen. And lastly, a group hug from Summersoft. And I believe that is it for hug reports. Thank you everyone for hug reports. Um, let's move on to the next section. Bye, everyone. Uh, you
11: do? I do. Sorry for the late dropping.
0: No worries. Go ahead.
11: Uh, a hug to you. Scott for our after meeting chat last week and a hug to the community for always being so supportive, even when the problem is just yourself.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, TG Techie. All right. And let's move on to status updates. Uh, Status updates is a chance for us to talk a little bit about what we're working on, Uh, kind of like what you did in the last week and what you're doing in the coming week. And uh, if there's any sort of longer form discussion, please drop a note about it in the In the Weed section, which is the next section uh, up and the final section as well. So uh, I will start as an example, although uh, some folks are way more in-depth than I usually am. And then uh, we'll go from there. So uh, and I, I should also say, again, uh, if you're lurking or text only, please just double check the note stock uh, next to your name so that we know where we're going. Uh, with this round robin. So uh, first, uh, I can't remember much that I did last week because I spent the last four days in Colorado skiing and seeing some friends get married and enjoying some hot tubbing and all things that are not work, which is great. Um, I did actually go on, uh, I did do some work stuff on Thursday because I was in Colorado. So I met up with uh, Kate and Michaela from Great Scott Gadgets and we chatted about what they're working on, uh, FPGA stuff and USB stuff, and then from there I went and visited SparkFun uh, outside of Denver as well, which was really neat. Um, so thank you to Kirk and Brian again for meeting up with me. Uh, the high level is, is that you know it gave a lot of background about uh, about CircuitPython and and why we're why we're a community and why we why why we, we run the project as we do. Kind of gave them porn ears on how to kind of lurk on that community. And then uh, the general gist was that they are not, uh, they're working on something else big that they're excited about, and they don't have cycles right now to do CircuitPython. Which is totally cool, and I think we should continue as we are uh, supporting their boards as they come out with chips that we support already. Um, That's just the last week. Today is a catch-up day. I've been without a computer for four days, so uh, there's lots of email and everything to get caught up on. I will help with uh, any bugs that come up for 5.0, but it seems like it's pretty good. And uh, So play that by ear. I'll uh, My main item is going to be looking at sleep on the NRF this week uh because i was doing all that broadcast net support in the last few weeks i've just kind of seen that like the sensors don't run that long and i would like to kind of just take some time and and do the first pass on making the sensors a bit more power smart um so i, I plan on doing that this week taking a look at it next thing on my list i think is is uh beely midi which would be cool too um and then lastly, I just wanted to say uh, I was planning on going to open Hardware Summit uh, next Wednesday, but I'm I'm going to skip that uh, because I've been traveling and there's this uh, COVID-19 going around and it's actually in the Seattle area here as well and they're not doing a great job detecting it. So uh, because I can go to New York whenever, uh, basically, I've decided that I can decide or I don't need to go now. I can always go later in the year. Uh, So if you are hoping to sync up with me there, uh, remember we can always chat online. I'm always open. Just snag me and I'd love to talk talk with you. So uh, I hope everybody stays healthy and uh, makes the right decision for themselves. So that's me. Uh, Let's go to TG Techie.
11: A lot of progress. Uh so may or may not have mentioned before. Um I'm working on a wristwatch that is CircuitPython based. Um and uh, NRF fifty two eight forty, so Bluetooth and circuitpython python based. And just this morning, um at like four fifty, it booted on for the first time with screen, touch screen, battery, USB C charging and USB. In, in the final enclosure. And it's it's pretty rough. Not all the circuitry is quite done. And the software is functional, but not complete nor organized well. But um, it keeps time, and I wear it, and people don't notice that it's homemade. So it's awesome. Neat. And for the next week, I will be working on uh, <laughs> making the software organized and sane. Um... <laughs> As well as documentation and testing the rest of the circuit.
0: How big is the battery in it?
11: It's a three hundred and fifty milliamp hour battery. Um, I can post images of it if that's helpful for sizing, because it's.
6: Does it ha-
0: does large. it is it working all day for you?
11: Uh, it booted up this morning, and I've been programming it ever since, so it's been charging since then. Okay, I I don't know. I will tell you next week.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. I, I should be able to make it a bit better for you.
11: I'd love, and if there's to do that, if there's a way I can help, is this there? Please.
0: Yeah, you can be on the bleeding edge with me. Anytime. Awesome. Thanks, TG Techy. Thank right. you. Uh,
4: let's go to V nine twenty three Z. Okay, thanks, Scott. Uh, so last week I, I made an attempt at uh, reorganizing the internals of MicroLab, um, and uh, in particular, I implemented a new data container structure. Uh, I would really like to bid farewell to the MP object array um, with, because uh, without that, we could could get away cheaper uh, in in RAM. Um, so um, I had to had to implement a couple of uh, array creation and manipulation functions. And on top of that, um, I am done with the uh, NumPy view methods or the, the re-implementation of, of NumPy view methods. So for those who, who don't know what they are, in, in NumPy, if you if you ask for an array, which was previously created, then in certain cases, you don't get the array, you, you get a pointer to the array, which has the benefit that that you don't have to recreate it so it 's faster and it doesn't consume uh, uh, ram beyond beyond the description of uh, of of this of this view so I, I am done with that, and uh this week I would like to uh, to to uh, sort out the issues with the with the binary operators um it's actually um not difficult it's it's a bookkeeping uh, problem um and uh, what what makes the whole situation a, a bit uh, difficult is is uh, the treatment of broadcasting but i i think i am getting there so i i hopefully can iron out all these issues this week and then then we can see where we where we can get from there so uh-huh. that's from my side great and thank you all for your work
0: for microlab <laughs> uh, not at all it's my pleasure yeah we really appreciate it we're excited to have it in CircuitPython.
4: uh me too yeah we're gonna
0: we'll make a big splash about it all right for those of you who don't know i think our plan is to do 5.1 as our microlab release so we'll, we'll it'll be a headline feature which will be cool all right let's circle around and go to andrew
5: Yeah, so last week I managed to get a library for the AS3935 Lightning Detector up and running. Um, It's basically just a little lightning sensor that I've had for, honestly, years now at this point, back when I was involved in Arduino. I was looking around for a CircuitPython library, and the only one I found was more Raspberry Pi-based. So there were a few improvements and kind of stuff that needed to be changed around before it could even run. Um, so that was a good uh, tester and kind of getting my feet wet and making changes to and supporting an actual CircuitPython library. Um, testing it has been a bit of an issue though because as you can imagine, <laughs> getting a hold of Lightning is kind of complicated. <laughs> um, so that's been kind of this week trying to test that and then next week will be just continued testing of that and then trying to jump into the GitHub repos to help uh, support different libraries that there are having issues. And then, as always, just help with the CircuitPython group.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew. Yep. All right. Anikdita, Anne and Carter are lurking. Seagrover is text only, so I'll read that off after taking a time code. Seagrover says, uh, made progress on a clock builder helper library after encountering a couple of sticky issues. See the quicksand above. Back on track to wrap up three chronometry-based projects by the end of the week. Testing 5.0 RC1 on some old M4-based projects. Going to leave the M0 projects as is. So far, the only hitches were in some pi portal weather station code. Expect those to be pretty easy to fix. In the future, uh, as an excuse to learn about BLE, planning to evaluate it as a replacement for an existing low-bandwidth RFM69 telemetry link between the workshop and the studio. Awesome. Okay, next up we have Charles.
6: Well, I finally received my I, uh, my uh, my drawbar uh, uh, B three drawbar rack. Uh, somebody had one for sale, really dirt cheap, and it seems to, uh, from what I can tell, it seems to be working fairly well. So now all I have to do is figure out how to wire it to either a you know, a, a Grand Central or something. So that I can actually use the data data in my MIDI MIDI setup. So that's where I am. Awesome! Excited to hear about that every week. Thanks, Travis. Yeah. You will, you you Scott will appreciate what I'm doing, trying right. to do anyway. Yeah,
0: putting MIDI in an old organ, right?
6: Well, no, I'm trying to I'm trying to emulate a uh, a B three right. an old. A B Hammond B3 using Sunvox and and some some hardware add-ons. Right, right, cool. And hoping it works. Hoping I can get get the drawbars to work easily.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're making a
6: lot of good progress. Yeah, it's painfully slow because I do I can only work on it so uh, so so much, you know, very little time at a time. So. Oh yeah, I can I can relate to that have a good day.
0: Thanks Charles. All right, let's go to Dan.
6: Okay,
7: so um last Wednesday, I released um release candidate 0 of circuit python uh 500 because we and we squashed the bug list down to 0, the issue list down to 0 at that point. Um, it took a long time for that release to get be available for download because a bunch of the da- the uploading um jobs failed for various random reasons, and so I had to run it three times, and then I still had to upload 50 assets by hand, which was totally painful. So I said, let's forget this. Let's just Mm -hmm. change CircuitPython.org so it downloads from Amazon S3 storage buckets, and um, that was easy to do. I asked um, Justin Cooper about that, and the main issue was we were worried about Trying to be able to get statistics about download counts. And it turns out there is a mechanism for that in um, Amazon Web Services. There's CloudFront logging, and we can use that for that purpose. Um, so I asked uh, Justin about it, and he just said it, he set it up. And in a matter of a few hours. And so it's already changed over. The downloads in circuitpython.org are downloading directly from S3. We don't have the statistics yet, but we can do that at our leisure. And um, I had to also make some changes inside CircuitPython, inside the CircuitPython repo for this also. So I went ahead and um, decided I would do an rc.1 on Sunday and pulled in a few other changes that have to do with the i.mx boards um, to fix mainly uh, i2c and so I released um, rc.1 on Sunday and we can think about turning that into the general availability release soon and we'll talk about that in In the Weeds. So upcoming there's the release and then I'm going to clean up the github release pages because we have a bunch of releases with like 1,700 assets and when you go to the releases page it takes many seconds to load, which is a pain.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, so I'll clean that up. And then after post-5.0 uh, release, I've got a bunch of work to do on the UF2 bootloader. And uh, we'd like to do yet another BLE project. We have some BLE um, thermometers, some cheap ones from Amazon, and they seem to all be the same. So we we'll, we have to reverse engineer those in order to figure out how to talk to the the sensors, but it looks like it'll probably be straightforward. Okay.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Dan. All right. Dave is looking. So we'll go to David Gloud, who's text only. Uh, David says last week discovered watch style. Hard case for micro bit is not compatible with clue. Maybe, maybe it needs to build a list of working slash not working accessories. Uh, first bits Pi usage with Neopixel from unicorn hat and fat, from with the link to the Twitter status in the docs. Um, next, failed to control two screens in CircuitPython, the Clue internal and the Pi TFT 1.3 which uh, via the BitPi. One of the first dual screen Clue. <laughs> I forgot to ask and Melissa to know if that was even possible with Display.io. Uh, some folks have uh, taken a look at the Monster Mask for that, uh, because there are two screens there. And people have figured out how to use them both. There is actually a, a compile setting because screens take up space regardless of whether you, you're using them. Uh, and something we could tweak further down as well. Um, and next week, uh, David says, uh, solder my Ada Logger Featherwing and find a CR 1220 to go on it. All right. Thanks, David. Next up, we have Foamy Guy.
8: Um, so last week I had um, I created some text examples or really repurposed some older text examples and got them working with the HT16K33 the 16 by 8 LED matrix um, I also published uh, just last night the first version of the Bluetooth patchwork demo for the Clue um, I did over the weekend assembled the PN532 which is like a NFC and RFID um, reading breakout board and started working on one of the Um, older, uh, less uh, lower priority issues that's on that uh, library. And then uh, I reviewed uh, a PR for the ESP32. And then the last thing I did last night was um, test out uh, an issue that somebody reported in Discord that they were having with the feather uh, cricket when it was driving NeoPixels. Um, They were having some trouble with brightness. So I got some good testing in on that last night. I think I understand. Um, the issue i just need to pull together a self-contained example and get an issue um, created for that and then so coming up next week i've got on my plate so far it's looking like uh, i need to solder together some tlc 59711s a uh, little led pwm drivers and work on um, one of the issues for that library as well and then um i'm gonna hopefully get started on um a learn guide for the tile game that I was working on, as well as documenting the process for making um, bitmaps. I notice uh, like Display.io, it only supports the indexed bitmaps and sometimes people have trouble figuring out exactly how to do that and how to manipulate the the color map and all that stuff, so I'm going to get that documented. Um, and then lastly, I want to get the, the patchwork demo. There's a couple low-hanging fruits for improvements and I also want to get it tweaked to work on the the Circuit Playground Blue food with um, the Gizmo, because it should be pretty
0: straightforward to get it working on that device as well. Awesome. Thanks, Foamy Guy. Okay, next up we have Geek Guy.
5: Greetings, everybody. (laughs) I've been working really hard on uh, my little red robot, and it's almost ready to go active. I had to sacrifice the IMU, though, because I couldn't get it fitted on the robot. Uh, but uh, I'm waiting to make up one cable for power for the motors, and then it'll go active, and I'll start writing some serious behaviors for it so uh it'll be mobile then, and it'll it's all circuit python all Adafruit. root. that's really all I have
0: awesome and if you have a link to uh, write up about your robot, that would be cool too
5: All right, I'll do that thanks
0: thanks, Geek All right, let's go to Higher effects
9: do. No. Um, so, this week, uh, past week, I worked on um, Zephyr Guy, which is done now. Yay. Um, and uh, I also worked on the Pulse Out library for the STM32, which ended up taking a little bit of. Um, is pretty much all done now. So, that's up as a pull request. This week, uh, I started on Pulse In, which is the corresponding part for Pulse Out. Uh, those two libraries are used for IR um, transmissions on uh, boards like you know, um, good for emulating things like a TV remote. Um, I also did some research on the F7 and the H7 boards, which uh, I'm hoping to get spun up on real soon. Here, um, pretty excited about. The capabilities of those and I'm just uh, reviewing the micropython differences um, how they handle the differences between those and the f4 series uh, and how I can set up the infrastructure um, to allow those to work alongside our code for the s32 um, so this coming week uh, I'm going to be wrapping a pulse in getting started on rotary iO which is the encoder library. Um, uh, and then I'm just going to be hopping into the F7 and H7 stuff in depth. So, looking to add the uh, Nucleo boards for um, two kind of common Nucleo uh, STM32 Nucleo boards for the F7 and H7. Working on the infrastructure to support from the F4. They share, they're totally pin maps, so they're the same um, in terms of pins as uh, their F4 alternatives uh, but they do have a bunch of different kind of uh things and, and uh and different uh, probably all of the modules uh uh working on that this week and hopefully have some really really fast really really huge certified on boards <laughs> in the new right so that'll be exciting
0: yeah i'm excited uh john park just linked to me to uh synthesizer board that's an H7. So,
9: yes, yeah, so that's a that's actually important. So, if anyone has uh F7 or H7 boards, that they would like to see supported. Um there's uh things cuz there's a lot of them. There's there's some like the uh, the OpenMV uh, mm-hmm. Open Machine Vision project is on an F7. Um I know there's a lot of others out there. I don't know them all, so if anybody has boards that they would really love to see implemented, uh, send them to me so I, they can be on my radar and uh, and I can think about those in terms of prioritizing uh, what's, what gets into that port. Because I'd really love to hear about any STM32 port uh, or board that you want to see supported, but um, especially the F7 and H7s as we move into those. Because um, I, mean, I, I don't really have a, a superset priority list right now. So, um, yeah, that goes for everybody. Cool. Uh, it, all
0: right. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, that's great. Call to action. Good to get ahead of it. Okay, Jacob T's lurking, so we'll go to Jeff.
10: Hello again. I have a pretty long list from last week, so I'm just going to hit the highlights. I have some PRs out, uh, did some improvements to ULAB, and I was particularly happy to get a uh, set of bugs around slicing fixed. So now slicing behaves the same whether you've got a list or a uLab array, or when you go on to cPython, when you have a um, NumPy array. And um, I also created a port for SparkFun, samd51 thing plus. Somebody else, I think, uh, SparkFun staff had started that, but they got stuck, and so it was pretty easy to just finish it up. And um, also, in the uh, there's a guide for the prop maker that creates a lightsaber, and we... Uh, had a bug reported by multiple users that the audio would glitch. It was worse in version 5 of CircuitPython than 4. An updated WAV file, we believe, fixes those problems, so we got that into the guide. This week, I'm going to work on any 5.0 tasks that I can pitch in on, and then hopefully 5.0.0 goes out the door, and we can get ULAB merged and that import stuff merged. Um, I'm outlining and maybe starting on a ULAB guide to go on the Learn website, And this process might identify additional functionality that uh, Adafruit would like to see added or that I would like to see added. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so another call to action. Do you know of a CircuitPython modular program that processes a bunch of numbers in a list? Mention me on CircuitPython and let's see together if we can use ULAB to improve it. And then I've got a caveat, which is if it uh, is going to be used under Blinka, uh, ULAB isn't Blinka compatible. So that's going to require some extra thought.
0: We can import numpy as ULAB, right?
10: Uh yeah, right up until you hit those differences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean we've got things that we could do. We could make a thing that is called ULAB and imports and reorganizes NumPy to be more similar. Right. Kind of the reverse of what we've talked about doing, but yep. uh that's not done yet. Someday we'll have to do something. Cool.
0: Um there was one other thing I was gonna say. I can't remember what it was. Oh, we don't need to wait on ULEB for Five O to actually get out the door because I believe we're branched already. Um, so oh, we...
10: okay. Well, we can talk about that soon then. Yep. See yeah. you on the PR for uh, you know, review of comments.
0: Yeah, I should be able to get to it today. It's just, you know, backlog. Cool. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, let's go to Jerry, who's, who made it late to the meeting.
12: Yeah, we're going to start the unmute button. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry about missing the meeting, but uh, most of it, uh, yeah, not a whole lot to report. Uh, if I can find my notes. I can do them when you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, I found and fixed a little minor issue that came up with, uh, the blue fruit SBI library, just stumbled across it. It was a trivial little thing, but it's fixed. And, uh, it's now compatible with v5. Um, and then it spent been, a lot of time working on this RFM nine X six, nine stuff and losing what little hair I have left. <laughs> and, uh, um, Do more of that next week (laughs) um so but it's it's slow slogging at this point i'm still not quite sure where i'm going yeah Uh, otherwise don't let it kill
0: uh, your your desire don't no no it's it's
12: not it's uh, it's uh, if anything it's 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 actually enhancing it i'm just trying to figure out what direction to go with things and and uh no it's 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 good but it's just it is frustrating yeah um because it just i keep thinking it should work <laughs> right. and it does for a while and then it doesn't um so it's good it's and uh so yeah next week i'll uh, get back to seeing if i find some other things to break too so cool lots of fun
0: yeah and if you ever need somebody to bounce the ideas off for the rfm69 stuff just snag yeah, sure or i or yeah. jeff or
12: whatever like uh, no, no 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 i won't be shy cool <laughs> thanks jerry
0: yep all right let's go to catney
2: all right. So, last week, um I was tasked with uh, creating a badge example for the clue um using PyBadger, which I previously refactored to include support for clue. Um and then uh decided that the base example wasn't enough because I wanted the ability to add a preferred pronoun and the hello my name is badge is is very specific you can edit the text but you can't move it you can't do a whole lot with it so i wrote or i added a custom badge feature to pi badger where basically you have full control over the background the colors um you can do like a color block um background like you can with the hello my name is badge or you can use a, a bitmap as a background and then you can display lines of text over it and you have control over those lines of text uh location, size, uh, and you can use custom fonts. And then uh, once that was all written, I did a custom badge example for Clue. Um, Then I wrote a guide page for it and was asked to turn it into a full guide. So move the guide page into a new guide and spread it out accordingly. Um, That involved going through it and making sure everything can be um, standalone, because obviously uh, when it's in its own page, everything doesn't need an intro. Um, But now it does. So I'm really happy with how the badge turned out. Um, we're uh, Adafruit and uh, DigiKey are sponsoring um, PyCon, and every attendee is getting a clue. And so we wanted to put together um, a simple uh, badge example for it so that people have, uh, if all they want to do is display a name badge, it's available um, and easy to do. And uh, because I wanted to make it more extensible, that's how all of this ended up happening. Um, so this week I need to finish up that guide. Um, it needs a final review to make sure that I actually gave everything, the intros that it needed and also needs, um, better images, um, and more of them. Um, I still need to update the ESP. Um, I think it's actually 8266, um, huzzah schematic on GitHub and on the guide, the current, um, schematic that is posted, uh, has a problem in it that can, uh, let you, cause some serious problems and break things. Um, and so uh, we want to get the new one up, the new rev that fixed that problem um, and get that in both of those places. So I need to update that the first thing I'm going to do and then I'm also working on the guide for the feather NRF 52840 cent, which will have uh, pinouts um, overview downloads, um, all the fun stuff that a product guide has. And we'll also have a Circuit Python example that uses all of the sensors and uh, simply prints out the data. So um, at that point, uh, obviously you can expand on that. Um, but if all you want to do is just get the data from the feather, um, we got you covered. So that is um, the current plan. Eventually I want to revisit the way that I wrote the custom badge feature for PyBadger, Um, At the moment, you can't update it on the fly. So you generate it before the loop, and then you can call it in the loop, Um, but you can't change it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's just that's how it got refactored. That's how it ended up written. And um, if all we're doing is using it for a badge example, it's not a problem. But I see it as also being able to be used um, to be able to put text over a, a bitmap, Um, or use it for uh, displaying um, data or something like that. Um, Not really what PyBadger was meant for, but I feel like there's a way to make that work that isn't super complicated. I could be totally wrong, Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like that's the case. So it's something I want to revisit once I've gotten through um, other things and have a little time. Uh, So that's going to be on the ongoing list um, of things is to try and make that... Uh, even more custom than it already is. All right. That's what I got.
0: Thanks, Katni. All right, KJW is lurking, so we'll go to maker Melissa.
3: Hello. Let's see. scrolled here. Okay. Uh, Last week, I was, was down with web Bluetooth and developing a sensor dashboard. Uh, I did come up with a little bit and fix the mini-TFT featherwing, and I updated some missing boards on the circuitpython.org website. I also added the Bluefruit Sense feather to the web Bluetooth dashboard. Uh, This week, uh, I plan on finishing up that dashboard and working on starting to write up a guide for it. Uh, I need to go through one of the Raspberry Pi TFT guides and make sure it's still working because the user reported it wasn't. And uh, I need to add some new boards to the Blinker page on circuitpython.org. And that's it.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah. Next up, we have notes from Marius 450. So I'll read those off. Marius says, last week, worked to improve the turtle library, some low-hanging fruits, some fixes. First draft of a translated turtle to French. Uh, ask me if you want to test before I try to PR that. And uh, got a circuit playground blue fruit plus TFT gizmo generating a Mandelbrot fractal. Thanks, Mario. Uh, Mr. Certainly and SDWNJ and are lurking, so we'll wrap up the meeting with Summersoft, who is text-only. Summersoft says, uh, last week, uh, an Adabot disabled core download stats from the daily report. With the GitHub API not working and the transition to AWS as the CDN, it didn't make sense to continue attempting it. Did some cursory research on how to implement the stats and metrics with the move to AWS. Looks like the AWS Python library, Boto3, should be able to interface with CloudWatch to get relevant info. Uh, for Rosie, Rosie Pi and Physici, got HTTP signature authorization working on both Physici, construction and Node server verification. This adds another layer that allows Physici and Rosie Pi to securely send and receive push notifications. Keys roll every hour, but of course, as soon as I got the final piece debugged last night, Azure Functions service started having issues. This week, get Phyza Azure fixed if it's beyond a simple fix or a service reestablishment on Azure's side. Verify push notifications are working, then move focus back to actually running tests on the Raspberry Pi. Further research, Adabot using Boto3 for core metrics. All right, that's it from Summersoft. And that is it from everyone for status updates. So thank you all for hanging in there and uh, asking or letting us know what you're working on. Next up, we have in the weeds, which is a kind of free for all section for us to talk and about uh, what's going on in CircuitPython land. Um, if you have topics you'd like to talk about now, uh, please make sure that they're in the note stock um, in the in the weeds section at the bottom, and uh, I'll just go through those until we're out, and then the meeting then wrap up the meeting, and we'll be good. Uh, so let's uh, start off with V923Z.
4: Okay, thanks, Scott. So I I just wanted to um, raise two questions. Uh, One is about um, uh, exceptions at the C level. Mm -hmm. Um, What is required for a a proper cleanup? Uh, Is it okay if one one, um, uh, frees up the resources? So, for example, if I have a a dynamically allocated array, I I free that up and then uh, step out of the of the uh, uh, function or is something else still required? Uh, You shouldn't actually,
0: anything you've allocated on the heap, you can just get rid of your reference from and rely on garbage collection later.
4: Um. Uh, Right, but I think, um, okay, okay, right. Um, So the second question is, um, if anyone could comment on, performance differences or impact uh, between stack and heap. So uh, in particular, the, the question uh, is is about the description of an ND array. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if, if you, you have a, a string in, in, in the memory and you have to describe it, how you read it out. And for that, you need at least three numbers or actually a number and three arrays uh the first number would tell you the dimension and the second two would tell you what the shape and the strides are and, and now the question is <clears throat> um can those two these letter two be um dynamically allocated or should one put it in on on the heap uh is there a, is there a significant penalty when we um when we have it on the heap versus having it on the stack. So I, I think um, for
0: these two examples, uh, you're going to end up... So all of the objects that MicroPython has are going to end up in the heap anyway. Okay. Um. So regardless of whether NDA array has two pointers in it or not, it's going to end up on the mm-hmm. heap okay the the difference is that you will have either one or more objects on the heap so the first one Mm -hmm. where you have two pointers you're going to end up doing three allocations right one for the main object then two for the sub objects right um and those allocations only get as small as 16 bytes so that's Mm -hmm. one thing to think about um is whether uh and then you're always paying for the indirection, right? Like to read, to read it a second time. Um, right. So I would generally do the, the latter thing where you have one object that's just bigger.
4: Um, right, but that's one. more expensive in terms of RAM because you have to have to uh, uh, reserve space for the, for the largest imaginable array Right. I mean, not, not the array, the, uh, I'm talking about the dimension size. Right. So if you say that you want to work with eight dimensions, then, right. then this, right. this uh, uh, shape or strides objects is, is going to be always right. uh, eight or, or whatever your dimension is. Yeah. Um, so the, the question is um, whether that's worth it. <laughs> um, <laughs> or if you, if you say that we should work with that, then what is the highest reasonable dimension that one should, should care about? Right. I, you're
0: going to have a much better idea about that. I, I think there is a good argument to have them be dynamic uh, because then it works regardless. But then again, it's slower. Mm-hmm. Um, right.
4: Right. The only th- it's also an extra step because you have to have to allocate it, so um, that's that's also an extra step in, in in the code
0: itself. Right. The only feedback I would really have is just um, you could make sure that the N D array object, if you choose a maximum dimensionality, would just align to that sixteen bytes, uh, like like the the GC is going to allocate on sixteen byte blocks. So you could you could take that into account.
4: Okay. Um, right, so then, but it's one, really, it's up to you.
10: One way to look at this, uh, Scott mentioned that it allocates uh, a minimum of 16 bytes. Okay. So, um, if in the version with pointers, if you've got 4 bytes for the pointer to shape, and then 16 bytes for the shape, that's also enough room to store 5 dimensions directly right. in the object. Right. So, it's only when you go anticipate going beyond 5 dimensions that uh, you would potentially save Storage by moving them out. Right.
4: Okay, right. Well, then, then I think that's a that's a very clear answer. So um, I did um, also
0: play a trick in some of the display stuff where I actually pack data into the pointer if it's short enough. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, if you, if you're only two dimensions, you have a pointer, but you know the data is actually there rather than like allocated separately. So you could have a flag or something. Or you could base it on n-dimension, whether it's a pointer or whether it's the data itself.
4: Right, that could be done. Okay, it's, another, a, it's a hack. Another but trick an
10: uh, is, suppose that you put shape and strides into a structure of its own. So now you've just got one variable-sized thing. Right. You put mm-hmm. that thing at the end of the structure yep.
9: uh,
10: and declare it as having uh, zero elements. Right. And then you actually allocate The one object oversized depending on the actual number of dimensions used. Then it's one allocation. It adapts to the number of dimensions that you actually have. Yep. Mm
4: -hmm. Okay. Okay. And that that is
0: that Mm -hmm. is done in MicroPython already, so it's not a new trick. I think I think
4: tuples. Tuples do that. that. Yeah, I think Uh, so. Tuples. Okay. Yep. Okay. Thanks. Awesome.
10: Thank you. Thank
0: you. Okay. Next up, we have In the Weeds from Foamy Guy.
8: Yep. I um, have noticed a couple people come through the help with chat rooms where they are pretty new to CircuitPython. They got like their first device or maybe their second device, and they're still trying to use the preloaded sample script. Um, but as they get online and hit a learn guide or make it to the chat room or um, somewhere, they get. Um, encouraged to update to the newest CircuitPython, which is Mm -hmm. great because we want them to update, but then the preloaded sample script um, no longer works because some of it uses older APIs for some of the different stuff. I know HID is one of them. There might be a few others that need Mm -hmm. updated. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking through the Essentials Guide, it seems like everything is all updated in there, so it's just a matter of needing to go back um, into those larger demo scripts that do a little bit of everything um and make the few tweaks that they need um i kind of wanted to just get an idea well first of all to see if that's out there already and i just haven't found it um or if not if there's interest in getting that done i'm happy to um tackle that but i just wanted to kind of get it on the table and see what the thoughts were
2: okay so we okay here's the thing right um the boards are flashed uh if they already exist um we don't pull them all out of stock and reflash them. So there's often a an overlap where um, there's a period of time where everybody then gets their board, say their trinket, like you're suggesting here, and updates it to CircuitPython 5.0 or whatever the latest version is, and it doesn't work. Um, there's a whole... Thing involved with getting the testers updated in terms of what's actually flashed to the boards when the boards are made new. And definitely, if you're running into a lot of people finding that the demo doesn't work, please let us know what you're doing right now um, because it, it's uh, something that needs to be considered. As for the circuit python Essentials Guide, is you're saying that there's stuff in there that's not working, or you're saying you want to make sure that it does so that you can send people there? What No,
8: yeah, in the, sorry, in the essentials guide, everything seems good. Everything that I've found seems good. Um, The parts where there are still old code are in the downloads pages of the main guides for those boards.
2: Okay, yeah, there's always a link to what they originally shipped with. um, Mostly because even when it doesn't work, we still get people who are like, I want to get that original program back. um, Which is odd, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, what we want is probably to get like an updated version of it and, and have that posted. Um, like we still want to leave the link to the original. Right. Um, but what would be ideal is to have an updated version of it that we can then post to the downloads page and say, you know, this is the demo that works with 5X or works, you know, backwards compatible with everything 5X and before or latest, we could even say. And then at that point, we just want to make sure that we keep it updated so that it always works with latest. Um,
8: yeah. yeah, And that was my thought as well was just getting a new one added to that download page. And I, I totally get uh, leaving the old one there. Cause I myself um, often will overwrite something and then I want to go back to it. I like that safety net. So definitely adding and not changing.
2: What Charles.
6: I was about to say uh, the when I got my first, uh, uh, First uh, circuit, uh, circuit playground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I encountered uh, a pro- I encountered a problem that seems to have been taking care of the essentials, and that is when I got my circuit playground. It still had three X mm-hmm. in it, and I I upgraded to four, and then my the examples started failing. Because I didn't update the libraries that came along with the program. Mm -hmm. Um, That's another uh, thing that happens to a lot of people. Right. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. They don't realize that they have to update. In order to get the code to have any chance of working, it has to be. If you update the CircuitPython, you also have to uh, Update the community libraries and then the Adafruit libraries that so, are within yeah. the program. Within that program,
2: so that's that's in every guide. Um, unfortunately, that means that people need to actually go through the guides. Um, yeah,
6: they don't sometimes, and they don't realize that. I know. And but there's
2: only there's only so much. There's only so many places we can put it. That okay. piece of information. Yeah. Um,
6: I got I gotta go for uh, answer a question from somebody upstairs. So, okay. um, thanks, Charles. Thank they, uh, that was the only thing I had. Uh, I just wanted to say is I encountered a similar problem right. when right. I started using CircuitPython. I now know better, of course.
2: Yeah. Um, so, for me, guy, that would be um, that would be excellent. Um, I think that's something worth doing. Don't start it yet uh shoot me an email instead um so we can discuss what makes the most sense because this is this is an issue that is present with a lot of the like older boards boards that have been around for much longer because obviously you know the the feather enter of 52 840 for example i don't i'm not even sure it shipped with CircuitPython, python but let's just say it did for a second um is going to ship with a much more recent version uh so far less issues um so there's only like a few. Um, there's there's like a there's like a set of boards that obviously would have shipped with an older version and may have an older demo on them, um, and and that would be what we would want to update. But shoot me an email instead of um, like before getting started on it, so I can actually bring it up to uh, Lemoore and make sure that um, we're doing. The, the like the best option for it because she may have some ideas or she may have demos or she may, I mean, she may already have something in line. Um, and so, so I want to make sure we're not doubling up work.
0: I've got a couple ideas as well. Um, one thing we've been bad about is simply making that uh, demo code available. So we've been better with the downloads page, but we also have this repository for the, the default files. And the goal with that for me was to actually be able to just have the example files for every major version um we've been bad about maintaining that but that's one option um and then we could also use that as a source for the stuff on the downloads page in the learn guides as well Mm -hmm, i agree the other thing we can think about uh, as we go forward is um especially with the imxrt the uf2 bootloader actually has control over the whole flash so we can start thinking about a world where UF2s can include the file system even if there's an external spy flash. Um, it's something that's going to be easy for the IMXRT. Uh, it's going to be harder for um, these like express boards that we have where like we use both internal and external flash. Um, but that could be a solution as well where we basically, for every release, we have both uh, a like just update CircuitPython python uf2 but we could also potentially have a uf2 and redo my file system uf2 as well uh which would then which we could then bake in all of the example code updated along with the version that the uf2 has Um, it'd be easy on the imxrt but it'd be harder on the other stuff but we just have to be careful to let people know that it will overwrite their file system we could actually do it as Two U of twos as well. We could have one for updating Circuit Python, and then we could have a second U of two for just resetting the file system part.
8: Yeah, yeah, that's great insight into the um, into the new ones. And Catney, um, like you mentioned, I will definitely uh, get a, an email fired off to you guys before I definitely before I get started on anything like that. So
0: um, I think that that covers my um, my topic. Awesome! Excellent. Thanks. Thank you all. Uh, we have one more. I'll read off and kind of respond to, and then we'll wrap up. So uh, uh, this is from Dgloud, who's uh, text only. So I'll just I'll just start reading it off, and we can we can report in. Uh, it's kind of the first bullet point here is uh, titled "Reflection on Controlling Raspberry Pi Hat or Bonnet with CircuitPython." I have a big collection of hats and bonnets from Pimaroni and others, and would like to use them with CircuitPython. I would like to write or reuse CircuitPython libraries to drive the hardware. Now there's three options that they list here. Uh yes, we do want wanna talk about that, Jeff. So please add it in the notes. Um we can talk I'll just read through it. And if if you, we need to have more discussion, David, uh next week we can as well. Um so there's three options here. Uh one, use blink on the Raspberry Pi to ask access GPIO, I squared C and spy. Uh which is great because the pin mapping already exists for Blinka for Raspberry Pi. Option two is use a clue in the bit to pi for Fortronics that maps a clue to a ras- Raspberry Pi pinout, and the map, pin mapping is defined by bit to pi Option three is make a feather to 40-pin adapter that lets you plug in a hat on a feather. The pin mapping would need to be defined, but maybe somebody already has this accessory. Uh, how would you map feather to Raspberry Pi connector to be able to use Raspberry Pi hats as accessories for a feather? I think Blink is probably the best option um, because that's like lots of people are using it that way already. So it's going to be the best supported. So I would say option one on that. And then let me just take a time code here. Um, David says I'm looking for an opinion or idea on how what would be the right way to do the mapping. Is there already a board that maps Featherpins to Raspberry Pi? Is it possible to have the same code working on those three options? Should I use the sandwich library to do some remapping or my own alias slash naming? It's a good question. I'm going to keep reading. Um, maybe this could help just using existing Python adapters within CircuitPython with a link to... Oh, We're a little out of order here there's another topic before we get to release scheduling. Um, But David points out that there's both a Pimeroni CircuitPython adapter and a Pimeroni physical feather pins repos that do the mapping as well. Um, It's an interesting idea to have a mapping between feather and the 40 pin Pi hat. I generally think people who are using hats also have Raspberry Pis, so that's probably the best option. Uh, It's going to be used the most as well, so that's kind of where i would go. Okay, let's keep rolling cuz we are running up against our hour and a half. So KJW has a topic um thanks David. Uh i'm just going to read this off too unless i don't think KJW
13: has a mic. I do. Okay, go ahead. Uh so i've recently started using uh, display io um it's all very new to me. I've not used any of the LCD displays before. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was going well. And then I sort of discovered something, at least initially, which looked like you turn an LED on and off. And um, it was taking a long time occasionally. So I logged it as a bug because I didn't have time to look at it, at, uh, look into it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it becomes evident that it's... It's very display I.O. related. Right. And I was in REPL, I was in REPL mode at the time and I was leaving it scrolling away. And you can kind of see on the device, on the clue, that the display I.O. is quite a slow scrolling process. Yep. Um, and then you can even time it if you go into the, if you turn the auto refresh off, mm-hmm. uh, you can time it and you're seeing these big delays. So I, I was kind of curious if the analysis was correct. So. It looks like display i o will kick in potentially between any python statements Correct. um with quite a long delay, so i was the measurements I was seeing in this case were i think three eighty three and two seventy five milliseconds mm-hmm. so i mean initially I was thinking, okay, perhaps that's just the way it is, but I'd also seen um I've seen the colour sensor fail uh and where it kind of gets stuck, and I hadn't mm-hmm. looked into that. And I think foamy guy mentioned he'd seen it once as well, and it sort of made me wonder if, if potentially, you've got a Python code doing I2C operations, so it could be talking down the I2C bus, and then you could get this 300 millisecond pause, which might interrupt the I2C conversation enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most code is going to be expecting one millisecond, two milliseconds. I don't know how long the GC kind of goes for. Mm-hmm but i think these very long pauses are going to perhaps surprise some code
0: yeah yeah <laughs> i i'll get back to you on the issue i saw that and i do want to get back to it i think generally this is why we try to emphasize to people that the python code is not timing um reliable um we we hope to provide c functions and mod c modules for for timing reliable stuff but uh as you found out like in the vm we run what we think of as background tasks um the display is one of the major hogs uh if you're playing audio back you'll get that um and the gc can be it as well uh i think it's something that we just need to to code around from the python side um i'm not i'm not sure that there's a way that we could actually make it faster so like the the REPL showing up on the screen. The reason it's slow is because it's having to do like a full screen refresh over Spy, um, because you've scrolled the entire display, um, and that is slow. So, I hundreds of milliseconds seems quite long to me. Maybe there's some bug there that that could make it faster. But the reality is that I think like you never actually know the timing of the circuit Python code. Um, that being said, as well. Uh, Lamar and Dan did find this issue that might be related to this, where uh, allocations were growing linearly every allocation, uh, the allocation time was. And they saw they had a type loop that was a tight loop that was just reading an I2C sensor. And the issue was is that it was only allocating multi block uh, allocations. And there was an optimization where uh, the base pointer where it starts to look in the heap uh, never gets. Moved, kind of moved as as the scanning happens. So, um, I would make sure that you're on RC one uh, or or later, uh, because we did add an optimization for loops that allocate more than a single block, or al- loops that never allocate a single block. Um, and we did see it grow between one and one and ten milliseconds. So that could be related.
7: This was just in the REPL, so it wasn't a loop. It was just, it would look like display refresh for I mean if you're, uh, if you're pr- update.
0: I mean if you're printing a long time you're updating a frame every, it's trying to hit 60 um, So yeah I we could take a look at it but it, it doesn't actually surprise me yep. um, And the speed of the display will impact that as well So you could actually, um, one thing to try is you could reinitialize the display at different spy speeds and like see how that time varies. Could be interesting.
10: And there are various ways to turn off the REPL, uh, such as putting a blank group or uh, releasing the display. And that'll also help you confirm this theory that it is the display background task. Yeah,
0: I I definitely wouldn't refute that. I totally believe the display is a hog, but (laughs) it's also super valuable to have stuff show up there. So yeah. Sorry that's not one concrete answer. But it's a trade-off. All right. That's uh Dan, do you want to talk about the release?
7: Quickly. Yeah, I just I think the question is whether when we would declare it uh baked. Right. And uh because we have RC one now, we don't. We haven't heard of any issues with this, and so the question is, how long to let it to wait for people to download it and try things until um, we we declare it done. Does anybody have any right?
0: Any objections to much- us releasing five <laughs> zero? No. Kind of what we're—I I like the idea of doing it early in the week because I assume that we'll find issues and we'll just do a five-one and a five or five-zero-one, five-zero-two.
7: Right. Um. Lamora pointed out earlier to us today that what happens is that nobody downloads it until it's no longer a pre-release, and then everybody right. does, and then we have right. to do a five-zero-one and a five-zero-two. Right. So I would be perfectly happy to do it, like in the next hour or something, <laughs> or tonight or something. So. Yeah.
0: Does that scare anybody?
7: Oh, everybody is happy.
0: <laughs>
10: we don't scare easily. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're all you're all living on the edge anyway.
7: All right, I will I will I will all I have to do is write up the release note. So I'll do that. Okay.
0: Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay. All right. We'll have all week to to get sucked into bugs, but that's
7: fine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It'll be good to get people off 4 or 5 OS been a long time coming
7: yeah okay i'll do i'll just i'll work work on that first awesome
0: okay thanks dan okay Okay. and with that uh thank you everybody uh oh jerry do you have any concerns or are you just along for the ride
12: no it just took me too long to find the icon (laughs) okay no no, no problem at all
0: all right cool uh yeah you had me worried a little bit there jerry um (laughs) okay uh with that thank you everybody for coming to the meeting today it's been wonderful to talk with you all uh if you're listening to this after the fact um you probably found it on youtube.com adafruit or podcast services as an audio thing uh if you don't want to listen to the whole hour and a half it tends to be uh, there are notes along with that that you can uh check out and uh sorry distracted uh, notes along with that that can get you through the video to the parts that you want to see. Um, this meeting happens on Mondays at, uh, at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Adafruit Discord, which you can join all week by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. That will hop you in there, drop into the CircuitPython channel, and say hi. If you want to get notified about um, the notes stock for the next week's meeting or, uh, if the meeting has been shifted, uh, if there are U S holidays, we tend to shift them around because many of us are in the U S. If you want to be a part of that and get notified, let us know. You'd like to be a circuit Pythonista on the discord. Um, it will make your name blue or not blue. I'm staring at it and it's purple. Uh, it will make your name purple and, uh, you'll get notified there. Uh, you can always ask to be removed as well. And so, uh, let us know. And, uh, then you can follow along with everything. Um, in general, we encourage everybody to attend and participate. We love to hear what you're working on. So uh, please let us know and join us uh, next week, normal time, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Discord. And with that, we'll talk to you all all week in the Discord chat. Uh, try out 50, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but just thank you, everybody. Uh, really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, everyone.
10: Thanks, Scott. Thanks, everybody. See you
9: later.